Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, staring your fears in the face. Safety in the wild. And don't tread on me. This is Obstacle Course. Here we go. So Andrew, have you always felt safety in the wild? No. No. But I think that's part of the appeal. Yeah. Is It's not about being unsafe, but it's... Some sometimes it's about the adrenaline, the rush, the mm-hmm. the feeling of pushing your limits, and sometimes it has resulted in feeling a little <laughs> bit unsafe. For sure. Like, have you ever got like just hopelessly lost in the wild? It, or, or like we've talked about this, John. I don't like the term lost. I've, well, <laughs> yeah, we have talked about that. Actually. <laughs> At least, yeah. I I won't I won't say I've ever been hopelessly lost by any means. No, no, just misdirected for days on end. Not days, no. no even, minutes even. Okay. Hour the most. <laughs> minutes. <laughs> well, one time I was going down, I was we were going up a, a trail and it, there was quite a bit of snow. And yeah. then came, coming back down, I was like, oh, we'll just follow our footsteps. And then coming back down, we're like, oh, don't know where the footsteps are anymore. So there was a, a period of time where we didn't know exactly where the trail was, but not lost. You know, I, I bring up lost a number of times really because um, as a child, I was lost a, a number of times. Like, not in the wild, like inside, but it felt wild. I remember one time I was at West Edmonton Mall. You know that place, right? Okay. It's a city where the Oilers play, you know? Yeah, I don't talk about that place. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I uh, went, went to West Edmonton Mall, and, and I remember being with my parents, and then I just, like, turned around, and I couldn't see them. And and looking back, they were probably just, like, across the way, but I couldn't see them. And I and I went from, like, just, just you know, I mean, my favorite place on earth to just pure panic. And I remember that feeling. And I looked around, I looked around, I could just feel my heart going. I was like, where are they? And I think it was a few minutes later, I, I kind of finally found them. But just that feeling actually stayed with me for quite a long time, just that feeling of getting lost. And, and it's funny because Dee talked about, on this episode, about feeling safer in nature than in like society. Mm. <laughs> and that was like an example of me being like in the most like societal thing, a big, crazy, like loud mall. And that's that's the most fear I've felt is being lost. So is that lost or is that abandoned? <laughs> no, it wasn't abandoned because they probably, you know, I was probably apt to like wandering around and looking at things like a child does, right? And my parents, my parents knew I wasn't lost, but I didn't know they knew I wasn't lost, right? And so because I couldn't see them, I was just like, oh my gosh, but you know how it is. You can, well, maybe you don't know how it is, but... <laughs> I mean, I had three little kids and we tra- traipsed all over Europe with them. And, and, you know, they weren't always like an arm length away, but I always knew where they were. Mm-hmm. Right. But the kids don't always know. You always know where they were. And so I, I had that feeling of just like, oh, my gosh. And and it, it stayed with me to even when I when I grew into, you know, adulthood, um, there was times where if I didn't have my sense of like, I know where I am, like I would feel that same feeling come back. What about when you're driving? <laughs> <laughs> In that case, you never really know where you are. Okay, here's a driving story since you brought it up. (laughs) Uh, I got my license at about 16. Uh, I don't know how I did that, but I got my license at 16. It was probably um, a little bit looser back then in the 60s. It was. 
<laughs> and we've talked on the podcast before about what a great driver I am. And uh, we were in Winnipeg at the time. And I was, I think I've told the story when I was working with the Hydropoles. Remember when I had to put that ooey gooey stuff on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that was from yeah, m- many episodes ago. Anyways, so um, one time the fellas were like, hey, John, you want to just run into town and grab us something? Well, mm-hmm. I had just kind of just learned to drive. And, 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 you know, I wanted to be like, I didn't want to be like, well, I'm kind of comfortable with that. I haven't really driven a lot. I was just like, yeah, no problem, boys. And, you know, they threw the keys. I caught them like the rock star I was, jumped in the truck. And I was like, I'll be right back, fellas. Did you, you jump through the window? In my mind, I did. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was just like, I got this. But but deep down, I kind of felt this, like, you know, you know, feeling welling up. Like, okay, I don't really know my way around Winnipeg. This was way before, like, Google Maps. or and I couldn't even read maps, let's be honest. I, I struggle with Fiona's directions. Yeah. And she tells them to me. Yeah. I struggle with your directions. You're sitting beside me yelling them at me. <laughs> So imagine me with a fucking paper map. Yeah. Like, uh, hopeless, right? And not pulling over, I bet you. Oh, no. And so I went, and it was a simple job. It's like, go get us Gatorade or something. And, and I went down. Well, it turns out downtown Winnipeg, uh, it's just like downtown anywhere. The roads are like, you know, this way's, you know, this one goes this way. This one goes the opposite way. They're all one ways, and they're opposite ways. And it changes every, it usually alternates. Yeah, I, no, I understand how I, roads work. Yeah, <laughs> for our <laughs> listeners, if you don't know how, but you know, as a, as a however old I was, a, an eighteen year old or whatever, I, I did not know that, and I still remember. I, I can feel it right now as I'm telling the story of going down there and, and turning the wrong way down the one way street and going and just it, it was it was getting dark, and all I saw was like a million headlights coming towards me. And I, I almost shit myself right there. I mean, I was just like, oh my God. I didn't even know what to do. So I just pulled down a side street. And then you know what I did? I jumped out, got on a payphone and called my dad <laughs> in tears. Wow. I mean, I, yeah, man. Did this, you tell him you were a, this at is West Edmonton Mall? This is not a very Mall? masculine, badass story I'm related, <laughs> but... I was, yeah, <laughs> I remember I was in the wall, but I was so terrified, man. I was, and I was like, what do I do? And he had to actually talk me like to get back in the truck and like, you can do this. Oh, and the way it works in, in downtown Winnipeg is, is uh, the, the streets, they're just opposite. So just go down a bit further and you, you can find your way. Hmm. And then, you know, I did find my way and I got back like, t- you know, way longer than I should have. And the guy's like, where the, where the fuck were you, man? Mm-hmm. And I was just, oh, sorry, man. Or, you know, it was fine. But you know, little did they know I just experienced one of the more terrifying <laughs> moments of my life. So just this theme of getting lost has always been there for me. So, you know, listeners know that I, I like to run in the mountains and they might think, how, how can you do that, John? And and it's been my way. <laughs> You're wanting to make fun of me. So so please get, get out of the way. Go ahead and make fun of me. Or run in the mountains. You do, it's like... I, cause, it's the because I do fixed trails. Is that what you're saying? In, in like the same trail, yeah, for sure. Every time, and you still got lost on it. <laughs> oh, that's a Halem story. Yeah, that's true. So. <laughs> this is but, free mountain man, John but, Close. But listen, that's big for me though. Yeah, no, that's big I for me because I am alone. Yep. Right, and 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 I don't do it a lot, and and honestly, that was a big deal for me. So so you and your smugness. Well, I know I'm being very smug. Yeah, and. I don't apologize for it because you love it. I can take it. Yeah. Um, But I was going to ask how you overcame that fear of of separation or or feelings of anxiety when you were out on your own. Do you you recall anything that you actually did to to overcome that? Because this is another story, right? Because I I told the one, was it last week, about me in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Remember? I, I was, you know 
didn't know how to get out of that situation. I was all alone and I just panicked. Yeah. Right. In Westminster Mall, in the situation, panicked. I get older. I'm in downtown Winnipeg. Situation, boom, panics. Um, so how did I get out of that? I think I didn't get out of it until I started to go through like, which is part of my story until I started to actually deal with anxiety. Cause I think looking back, I think I've always kind of had like anxiety, um, but never knew it hmm. and, and never knew what it was like, because I remember my, my parents being like, you kind of threw up a lot, you know? Hmm. And, and, and I was like, I just thought, I don't know, maybe I just, I didn't know what it was, but looking back, I think I've always had that tendency to have those like, hyperish kind of anxious feelings as you were bugging me before we started recording <laughs> truth be told i went rock climbing like immediately like before this and i was like you know flying around and falling and skinning my leg and just dealing with that whole euphoria that comes with rock climbing and then i came in to record <laughs> and andrew was on like a totally different level like he was just like making tea filling up a bird feeder like, just quietly well my like, mom's away so i gotta fill <laughs> so a bird filling feeders. a bird feeder and making tea and i'm coming in all bloody and I'm like, yeah, man, we're about to record. It's going to be amazing. And he's like, you just need to dial it down. He's like, go do some meditation. Go do six deep breaths. I think you told me to I take did. six deep breaths. I could see the fear in your eyes. Like, you're going to screw up this episode. <laughs> and so I had to, I had to like, yeah, calm down. So I, I've always had these hyper-ish kind of feelings. And, and as you know, like hyper kind of energy can sometimes turn bad. Mm-hmm. And, and I think growing up, um, and this will come out when I finally tell my story, but growing up, we didn't have language for things like, anxiety or, or or stuff like that we were just i just didn't know what it was or so, and it wasn't the norm for men to admit that no. they're feeling fearful feeling or terrified. anxious and you probably felt even worse after having that reaction in winnipeg and like there's no way that you're going to admit that to the guys on the crew oh my gosh can you imagine like you're yeah, probably no. like dad don't tell anybody about this right no, I, I remember that was that was the first time when i began to feel shame about it Mm. And, and realize maybe this is a bit of a problem because as a kid, right, you're just like, you, you, you don't really, you're not self-aware, but by the time when I'm, when I have a real grown up job working in the city and I'm having to drive and I'm like really freaking out. Um, so, so trying to figure out how I got over that, I think when I finally dealt with my anxiety, like in my seriously, man, it was like my early thirties when mm. I finally had language for it and started to deal with it. And learned things like Dee talked about in this episode about when you feel fear, just not letting it overwhelm you and just not letting the panic set in, but just rationalize and think your way through it. Mm-hmm. And and learning that now, I mean, I mean, honestly, like you were bugging me about like, well, it's the big deal running on the trails in the mountains. Like a, a number of years ago, I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing that by myself. So now don't you feel a little guilty for making fun of nah. me? <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, so... So yeah, I think it's uh, something that that happened a bit later. I was a late. I've always been a late bloomer. Hmm. Yeah, and I think I think that's what it was. You know, my dad was awesome because because he um, he knew. I think he knew deep down that that I had this fear of getting lost, and so I just thought of this actually right now that uh, he used to play this game with me as a, as a little boy. That uh, we lived in a little town of Weyburn. I've talked about that, and we do this thing where um, I'd have to close my close my eyes while he was driving. And he would just like drive to a part of Weyburn and then I would have to get us home. Hmm. And, and, and at the time, like I, I was just like, oh, this is a fun little game. But I think I look back now and I realize this was my dad's way of helping me confront a feeling of feeling lost and teaching my brain to just like work my way through it. Like Dee talked about, just, just, just thinking about it and finding my way back home. And this, this was probably his way of trying to deal with my, 
my fear, my irrational fear about getting lost. Yeah, he was there and stuff, so it wasn't wasn't totally there, but but teaching me to use my brain to be like, hey, listen, you don't have to panic. You know, you 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 do know your way. Hmm. And and I remember it taught me to like look for landmarks and yeah, I, I mean, I still <laughs> am not great with directions. <laughs> it um, was a touching story, so I didn't want to throw that in there. No, but 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 yeah, it's 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 funny how. I haven't thought of that story in, in decades, but but now it just hit me. I, I guarantee that's what he was pr- probably trying to do. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. the gifts that uh, that our parents give fathers us. Fathers do for us, and, and they they know us better than we know ourselves. And mm-hmm. the things that they do, and we don't recognize at the time. And now that they're gone, we can look back and see. Oh, that's what that's what old pops was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm thankful for that. I monopolize this intro again. So Andrew, no, this is good. This... <laughs> you love this, man. You love this. This is my element. Yeah. So do you want to poke and prod a little bit more? Did I answer? No, your, I, did I answer your questions? I am. I I would be curious, and and the listeners as well. I'm sure about elements of the process of of overcoming that anxiety and and. Because... We'll save it for my episode. Okay. Cause it, cause well, it really. It's a teaser. It, it's a big part of big big part of my my story of loss. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a teaser trailer right there. Um, you've all listened to Andrew's story by now, and his amazing episode in, in mine. Mine when it comes out, it'll be a story of loss and loss of identity through through a loss of faith and, and then rebirth and rebirth. Yeah, and 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 part of the rebirth was just learning not to be not to be afraid. Mm. And and uh, I I can I can talk. I had a whole year of, of confronting every single fear. I wrote them out, made a plan, and confronted every last one of them. And it awesome. was it was a it was a fun year, yeah. Great. But but uh, I'm not fearless anymore. But I am trying to, as Andrew says, fear less. And I think that's what we all need to do. Hmm. Well, you'll you'll hear a story that is all about that from D, who stared a cougar in the face and had the presence of mind to go through her playlist and play Metallica. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she has much more to share as well. She does. Enjoy it, everyone. And is there? Do you have any other questions? Do you want have any questions about us at all? Or no, no. You seem legit. Yeah, <laughs> we like to. We think seem we are. legit. You've got these big fancy microphones, so how bad can you be? Right? Yeah. Could you put that as an iTunes review for us? <laughs> they seem legit. Sure. Yeah. Four stars. Yeah. You got it. As seen on Fox News. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. So welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. We are thrilled to have you on, and. Uh, and you're also our first guest who has gone viral. We just learned as well, not once but twice. But let's um, let's stick with the present and talking about the video and the encounter with the cougar and that whole experience. How did it feel going viral and getting that much attention unexpectedly? Well, it was definitely a shock to the system. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. expecting it. Um, it was... Uh, a bit overwhelming at first, you know, trying to schedule all the interviews. And one day I had 17 interviews. 17. So yeah. are, th- are these like phone interviews or? Uh, some were phone, most were phone. Uh, some were video and some actually sent camera crews. So I, <laughs> yeah. And this oh this is not just local. This, this was national. Worldwide. In, in states. Yeah, actually Spain, Italy. Um, Romania, uh, Czech Republic, uh, Russia, um, Japan, Tokyo, like everywhere. <laughs> Why do you think it got so much attention? 
I don't, I don't know if it was the Metallica aspect of it or if it was just that it was because it had a happy ending, I think had a lot to do with it. Nobody died. Nothing had to get killed. Um, you know, there was no tragedy at the end of it. It was a little bit of humor, you know, um, I was able to scare off a cougar using Metallica, <laughs> which yeah. you don't get to hear every day. So. Yeah. And, and maybe just that original story, like we're in, in our society, there, there's so few kind of original stories. Yeah. It's a lot out there is the same narrative and it, this is fresh yeah trump 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 <laughs> trump 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 <laughs> the world needed a break from trump yes it's definitely should try metallica on trump <laughs> see what happens <laughs> so the day you got 17 yeah. um was it like you knew okay it's gonna be 17 today or did it did it kind of come throughout the day as well and it, it just got more and more and more it snowballed throughout the day yeah. and actually there were times when i would answer the phone and someone would say hey it's so-and-so from kdrl on such such and such and you're live on the air thanks wow. for joining us d and i'd be like um okay <laughs> so no notice or anything no a few of them actually just surprised what? me yeah Hmm. You can do that, eh? Apparently, Andrew. <laughs> we should look into that. <laughs> we're we're like we're the exact opposite. We're like, hey, this just happened. Can we talk to you in six to eight weeks? <laughs> yeah. yeah, lots of advance warning. I appreciated that. Yeah, for sure. Wait till things die down a bit. Do you recall what the most obscure question that you got asked was? Oh, they were all pretty standard questions. You know, most people were asking how I felt, uh, what was I thinking, um, did I, you know, did I go straight to Metallica, or was there another song <laughs> right. I was thinking of, um, yeah. what songs I have on my playlist, you know, just fairly routine questions. Yeah. Yeah. And then, what was it like when the lead singer of Metallica gave you a call? <laughs> yeah, so you were kind of pushing Ooh. for that, right? Yeah. Like, like you sort of deserved it. Well, my friends were all hashtagging Metallica in, in everything that came out, every interview. Yeah. And uh, I was actually looking um, through my phone and one of my friends had posted Kirk Hammett's page and he had posted my cougar story. Um, and so wow. I thought, oh, I'm, you know, this, it's getting somewhere. <laughs> this is actually a potential phone call I'm going to get here. And uh, yeah, so when he posted it, I kind of had a hunch. And then um, when the, the artist liaison contacted me and said, you know, one of the band members wants to speak to you, I thought it was going to be Kirk Hammett because he had posted the article. But right. uh, yeah, then it was James. <laughs> and so take us through that phone call with James. Um, so I saw the number and I thought, oh, it's probably just another interview. So I almost didn't answer it. And then I thought, well, what the heck? And my boss said, yeah, go for it. So, so it didn't I, come through as Metallica on your no, phone? <laughs> <laughs> no, it comes, back, it comes through as James now. If he, if he really? me, oh, yeah, I, awesome. I saved his number. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but it, uh, I, I, so I answered it and I said, hello. And he says, uh, hi, Denise. And I said, yes. And he said, this is James Hetfield of Metallica. Wow. And, and I almost fell off my chair yeah. and I thought, okay. And I said, well, how do I know it's really you? And, Did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, you could ask me anything you want. And he said, or you could just trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and I could not for the life of me think of anything to ask yeah, him. I couldn't, sure. I could have just said like sing something, but I, I chickened out and I, yeah. I said, I'll trust you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you are sure it was him though. <laughs> yeah. He actually sent me a confirmation <laughs> selfie after um, no. where he's given the devil horns and he says, I just thought you might like some confirmation that it was actually me. Oh my so, God. Yeah. Yeah. And I sent him one back. I sent him a selfie. Okay, well, here's confirmation that it was me too. <laughs> so you're at work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting at my desk thinking, I'm speaking to Metallica. Like, yeah. I'm talking to James. This is my, my all-time gosh. idol growing up. Yeah. You know, my favorite band, my 
you know, <laughs> teen heartthrob, whatever you want to call him. And I just, I was like, I can't believe I'm actually talking to him. Yeah. Yeah. And he was so normal and down to earth. And, you know, he sent me a picture of his dog and we talked about dogs. And <laughs> just, cool. It so, would be cool if he, they ever came to, you know, Vancouver and you could get up there on stage and have fun. a real meeting. That would be neat. Maybe invite the cougar. Yes. Yeah, we could. There's lots of cougars that. at the Metallica concerts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I bet>. Nice. <laughs> Zing. So some people might be tuning in now and completely confused. Yeah. So it let's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those of you who haven't heard the story, let's let's go back in time to uh, to July. July, yep. And the encounter with the cougar. Well, uh, it was evening, and I didn't have a lot of time, so I I took a little walk with my dog. I thought, well, we're gonna go for a little hike, not too far out of town, just just a little bit south of Duncan, and uh, you know we got a couple kilometers up the road, and I just had that. It was kind of dusk and I just sort of had that feeling that something was watching me. Mm-hmm. Hair on the back of the neck stands up. And so I looked over to my right and there's a cougar coming towards me. And wow. at first I, it's sort of the color of a deer, but a little bit darker. And so I thought, oh, it's a deer. Oh, it's not a deer. What's <laughs> what's happening here? And it took a minute for me to realize what was happening. And I went, oh, wow, cool. That's a cougar. And then, oh, that's a cougar. Yeah. <laughs> and he had his bum up and he was doing that crouch kind of prowl towards me. Hmm. And so I, I said, hey, you better stop. And he just kept coming. And I had, was waving my arms and stuff. Wait, and you said, hey, you better stop? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> is, that, is, that when you, is that what you learn in Cougar Training 101? <laughs> hey, you better stop? Well, <laughs> I had to think of something. And uh, yeah. when, he, when he actually was still approaching, I, I, then I got a little firmer and I said, Hey, you stop. Right. And, right. and he did actually stop, but he didn't go away. No. And that's when I decided we kind of had a stare off for a little while. And that's when I decided I was going to, um, start recording him. So I pulled out my phone and I started recording and I told him to get lost. And I told him he was a bad kitty and <laughs> I told him I'd fight him. <laughs> you actually said that. Yeah, you can hear me in the video. You know, I say, "Go on, get and bad kitty, and I'll fight you." And he just stared like a statue at me. He was so still that Murphy didn't even notice him. He didn't see him at all. And how far away was he? I'd say about fifty feet. Fifty feet. Wow. And, and Murphy's not a small dog either. No, he's one hundred fifteen pounds. Uh, but he was on a twenty-five foot leash, and mm. he was mm. sniffing around for bunnies. And so I actually pulled him really close beside me. And, you know, he just didn't really think anything of it. He he was still sniffing for bunnies and didn't notice the wind was going the wrong way. So he didn't notice the cougar at all. Hmm. And, but uh, you said you'd fight the cougar? I Is told that... him that, yeah. On, on second what? thought, it probably wasn't the best option no. to give the cat. Was that adrenaline? Was that just, <laughs> I this know. is going to make for a great video if I survive? <laughs> there was no one around and I just thought, I, I'm just going uh, to have a conversation with this cat and hopefully he'll... He'll, he'll get the message. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But it didn't work. It didn't work. After no. a few minutes, he was still staring just as intently as he was in the beginning. So I thought, I got to do something a little more intimidating than my voice. So that's when I had to stop recording and go through my iTunes. And I thought, what's the scariest noise to an animal that sounds really, really human? And I, all I could think of was music, like rock and roll, heavy yeah. metal. Yeah. And then I thought, what's the hardest song I've got on here? But then as I was going through my favorites, I thought, oh, don't tread on me. That gives the perfect message. So I cranked up the volume and I hit play and I held it up in the air. 
And uh, as soon as it went, like the first intro, he was gone. Wow. He just took off. Yeah. Cool. And it was, it was funny because as soon as he turned sideways, I realized how big he was. Yeah. I hadn't noticed that before. And when I told him I'd fight him, I really re- rethought about that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he turned sideways. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't take me up on that I'll one. I'll take that back. I, yeah. <laughs> I did a little cougar research before getting here. Oh, good. Wow. And cougars, they can leap nine meters yes from one place to another so, so like almost if you, 30 feet if right? he was 50 feet away he yeah. was almost one leap away they take down animals uh four times their size i know so like a moose yeah basically <laughs> and yeah i mean yeah. They're, they're dangerous beasts they are and and he seemed to have some serious intentions <laughs> when approaching he he did look pretty seriously at me um my thought process though too was I'd probably already be dead and wouldn't even have seen him coming if he was super hungry. Mm-hmm. So uh, he might have been more curious than anything. Were you thinking that in the moment? In the moment, I, I was just thinking when I when I actually like looked into his eyes, I thought he's pretty serious. That was what I thought, and I don't serious for what I don't know, but he just had a very intent, focus kind of look at me, yeah. and uh, that that definitely made me think that he was. A little bit more than just curious. Mm-hmm. But like and, 95% of people would have just lost their shit and screamed <laughs> and probably ran, which you, you're not supposed to do, or just froze, or they're like, do I play dead in this situation? No, right? That's, no, that's great. Don't, don't I, play dead with a cougar. I did have a right? feeling at one point to, to bolt. Right. And I thought, don't do that. No. Like, it's a cat who's going to want to chase you. Don't. Yeah. So that, that just went out of my mind instantly. I knew not to do that. Um, I did look at rocks and think, okay, can I throw something at him? But I didn't want to bend down and appear any right. smaller. Yeah, and right. I just thought I need to do something else. And that's I, that was part of the the staring exchange that we had too is I was processing things. What should I do? What What am I going to do here? <laughs> and so, but you're you're able to process because yep. when you panic and when you're overcome with fear, right? You can't think anything, and that's why when you're saying you're actually like deliberately looking for a specific yeah. song, like I always thought when I heard the story that you were just like, oh, my dad was the first one that showed up, and it just happened <laughs> to be "Don't Tread on Me." Well, that worked out. No, you know? I chose it. <laughs> but you like actually had the presence of mind to sit there and okay, okay, this will be perfect. Yeah. And then you played it. That's that's crazy. So you were able to stand there and not like lose your shit, basically. Yes. yes. Well, and I wanted also to um, have something that didn't have any um, injured animal sounds, and you know, like like really wangy guitar right. or any like yeah. whiny kind of wow. sounds, because then you sound like prey, and I didn't want that. You really thought this through. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, and that whole idea of the, the cougar kind of creeping up with its hunched down, with its butt up, like yeah. that's that's how cats. Stock birds yes. yeah. and, and and small animals, right? That's exactly, like exactly yeah. the kind of posture yeah. that it was portraying. I was your dog like barking and stuff? Didn't make a sound. He mm. didn't. He didn't know what was going on actually. And okay. and when when I said bad kitty, you know, I could see him actually looking around like, oh, where's the kitty? You know, yeah. like but he never noticed. <laughs> and I think that's for the best because if he had been barking at it, it might have triggered something in it to to actually attack. Yeah, I think that's part what I was of wondering. part yeah. of me. Um, sort of standing my ground with him too was also I was worried about my dog I didn't mm-hmm. want us to make any sudden movements to sort of startle him to attack either because I didn't want Murphy getting eaten either yeah well and he sure. could very well have been targeting Murphy as well right? yeah 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 so John mentioned some people would totally freak out in this situation and, right. and when faced with unexpected circumstances we we can all have a variety of reactions yeah. and, and who knows <laughs> 
how we'll, how we'll react. And, and maybe if we were just at the climbing gym, as John just was, he'd be even more excitable than normal, yeah. which is the case today. And yeah, you just don't know. Right. And stress can do, do very strange things to us. Um, why do you think it was that you maintained composure? And did you have experiences that allowed you to do that? I, I tend to be a, a fairly thought processing person. I, I, I do process my thoughts fairly well before I react. Um, I can remember a time when I was, oh, I think I was in my 20s, early 20s. And I was driving my car home from Christmas shopping one night. And it was, you know, late December. It was dark. And there was a, a skiff of rainwater on the road. And the car in front of me, all I could see was headlights, headlights, headlights. He had did three complete circles in front of me. And then whoosh, into the side. And wow. he, like, rammed right into the side of the, the um, bank. And I pulled over, jumped out of my car, ran up, and just as I got there, they had this little kid, and it was probably three, four years old, and he came out of the back seat and was running straight for the highway. And I just, I just grabbed him up and <laughs> put him down on the side of the road, and I said, "Stay there," you know. And I calmed him down, and his dad got out of the car, and the mom was injured, and we ended up having to call an ambulance and stuff. But the little boy, like if I, it was the timing was perfect. And if I hadn't been thinking and I hadn't grabbed him, you know, he would have got smucked. Yeah. And I was uh, that whole, you know, I sat him down and then the, the girl in the back seat, she felt nauseous. I got her out. I just, I dealt with the whole situation. Um, and after probably, I don't know how long it even was probably 10, 15 minutes before ambulance got there and police and everything. I looked down the road and my car was about 600 meters down the road, slowly going on the side of the road because I had left it in yeah, neutral. Yeah, I was going to say you didn't put it in park. Yeah. yeah, and it was a it was a standard. Oh, right. Okay. And it just slowly rolled down, and I had to run like heck to go, go get it. But I, like, I hadn't thought about parking my car properly, but I had processed the whole emergency situation well. So, hmm. so you yeah. don't, you're not someone who spooks easily. Um, like in those situations, I, it's I almost like no. you can go into this space that, that I would say few people could probably do. I, I'm also, I do a lot of work with the wildlife center and right. I also was a veterinary nurse for 12 years. So I have a lot of animal experience, so I'm not as, I, I would much rather deal with a cougar than half of society. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that mm. interesting? Where did that connection with animals and, and the natural world begin? Oh, when I was a tiny little girl, I, my mom tells me the story of how I was outside and I had a, I was in tears and I had a stick and I was trying to, trying to tape it to a ladybug leg because she had a broken leg and I was trying to fix it. To a, did you say ladybug leg? Yes. Aww, that's adorable. I thought I had a broken leg and I was just trying to fix it. I couldn't find anything small enough and I was just devastated that I couldn't fix this ladybug. So. Wow. Sign of things to come. Yeah. I was always bringing home, you know, whatever I could in the way of critters. Hmm. And it that gave you a, a significant advantage with the with the run in with the cougar, I, I would imagine, because you're you're not seeing it perhaps as as something that's scary and evil and a beast, right? But as part of nature, as yeah. something that is just has its own thing going on and and yeah. is hungry potentially, but you don't want to be prey. That's right. Um, but. So when acting out of fear, we're we're more prone to make mistakes. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. <laughs> or, make or, it worse or, yeah. or freak out. But 
you were you had I, maybe a bit more understanding of the situation. I didn't want to be a victim. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, and see, that's that's what really inspired us to bring you on. These is is the story that that people in Japan have heard about yeah. a cougar. I just knew there was so much more to you than this one encounter. Oh, thank you. And and it's obvious there is. Um, you know, this is wasn't your first time on a hike by yourself. You know, for instance. No. <laughs> and and that's that's a, that's one thing I think that's worth discussing a little bit is just in our modern culture, our relationship has ch- with nature has changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for most of human history, we lived in nature and now we're surrounded by plastic and concrete and metal and we're not as comfortable in nature. And so I just wanted to dig into that a little bit. Um, for you, um, it sounds like you've always been comfortable in nature. Do you feel like that's because that's how you were raised or you were just exposed to it at an early age or is that your personality? Or? It's just always been my passion. I, there's times when I have had a rough day at work and you know just too much going on and I'll actually come home and say you know I've, I've got to go to the bush I've yeah. got to get out in the bush I just have to and I'll just get head out and go <laughs> take Murphy and away we go for you that's it almost sounds like a safe place definitely yeah, yeah. which which for many that it would be an unsafe place right because right. there's a lot of things you can't control and you might run into a cougar for instance <laughs> mm-hmm. And, well, and uh, so it's just it's uh, refreshing to, to hear that that you, you found a safe place in nature. I mean, I feel I feel similar in some ways. I know Andrew, uh, he, he has to get out in, in, in nature. At least I, yeah, weekly. I, I call it my charging station. Yeah. 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 What, what do you think we lose when we miss that connection with nature? Wow. I, well, <laughs> just so many great opportunities. I mean, I've got uh, hikes that I'll remember forever. If I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to remember these mountaintops that I was on or, you know, these viewpoints or these experiences I've had out in nature. I'm not going to remember that time I walked down a sidewalk past a Walmart, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to remember being on the top of Valentine Mountain in Powell River and overlooking the valley and, you know, those, those are the memories that I want to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a, a a connection that goes beyond maybe beyond words or it's just a feeling or a a, mm-hmm. a sense of calm or mm-hmm. or oneness that that we are able to just experience and and be a part of because it's not just that um we're not separate from nature. We are part of nature and nature is part of us. That's right. And when we lose that we're we're no longer whole and i think it's it's really important and and that's such a huge factor in the story is that's why you were there and and that's why you reacted the way that you did yeah so was this your first encounter with like a dangerous animal no okay (laughs) so (laughs) um i've had a few uh like i've seen other cougars but usually they're parting shot (laughs) just a tail of them or whatever because they don't usually stick around Mm -hmm. um up in uh, port hardy actually when i was walking i had uh, two dogs then and i was walking them down the trail and a bear it was right by the fish hatchery and a bear was coming down the trail towards me Mm. and he wasn't coming fast he wasn't even really looking at me he was just walking towards me and we were just walking towards him and i actually <laughs> said to him, i have this habit of talking to animals yeah, yeah. <laughs> as i'm walking down the trail i said one of us is gonna have to get off of this trail you know and he kind of just kept coming and i kept coming and and then i said i i'm hoping it's gonna be you <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was blackberry bushes on both sides eh? 
And uh, he came a little bit further, and then I stopped coming forward. Although said, Justin Bieber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I said, no. I said, all right, Mr. Bear, it's time for you to go now. And he literally just went, Hoof, like he kind of gave a little snort, and he went off into the side, wow. and away he went. So it went, I wouldn't call that a dangerous encounter because I well, didn't feel threatened I mean, at any point. You wouldn't count that? Yeah. <laughs> you you wouldn't call might. that? Yeah, others might. Yeah. Well, my, my heart did go a little faster when I first saw him, but uh-huh. when I saw that he wasn't, you know, it was a black bear, and he wasn't charging, and... He was just, I mean, he's right by the fish hatchery, so he's probably full, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is always a good sign. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I just still can't help but think, maybe, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm the wimp. I just still can't <laughs> help but think that most listeners are thinking, that would be my worst nightmare, to, to, to have a bear that close. I would never talk to it, like... <laughs> Where did you like? Where did you get that? Is it is it courage? Is it just like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I don't know that I would stop and talk to a bear that was charging me or anything no, like no, that. No. But I mean, I I wasn't in danger. I don't think at those points I was. You know, I was admiring him. He was on his way, and he knew I was there. I made myself known. I wasn't a threat. So perhaps yeah. maybe it's just the knowledge of animals. Then. Equal respect. <laughs> yeah, like it sounds mm. like you actually sort of know the behavior of animals a little bit, and that's perhaps another thing that's that's lost in our. In our culture is is just understanding understanding how animals but behave right mind you that didn't work for grizzly man now did it no well <laughs> so, no it didn't <laughs> there are limits not. there are limits <laughs> that's true yeah. so you know we, we've talked about nature and um one one thing i wanted to to talk a little bit more about as well is not only have you been comfortable with nature but you've talked about some of um some of the jobs you had you mm-hmm. had growing up and you were quite close to your father for yep. instance yeah. And so um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your dad, because I, I know he plays a huge role in your sure. life. Yeah. So I, I guess to put it into context, I mean, um, I was working in logging. I worked for a logging company as a heavy equipment operator. So I've sort of had a non-traditional <laughs> roles right. uh, at times. Yeah. And uh, what started that was my dad's sort of... Um, encouragement around that and I can remember being in grade eight way back in the day and I wanted to take power mechanics and the counselors and everyone said no I'm, you'll probably be happier in home ec or maybe you should take you know cooking or right. they were listing all these other things that I should take and I went home very disheartened and told my dad I wanted to take power mechanics and he said well you really want to do it is that something you really want to do and I said yeah and he said he said oh okay and the next thing I know, he was at that school. He probably had a complete change of the school board by the time he was finished. <laughs> because when he had his mind set on something, he yeah. did it. And uh, next thing you know, I was registered in power mechanics. Wow. So um, he told me, he said, well, you better do me proud, kid, because I fought hard for you. Hmm. So were you, the, were you the only girl in the, was, the power mechanics yes. class? <laughs> yes, I was. How did it go? It was great. I did great. I got A's in it. And uh, the I took my dad's lawnmower in and his chainsaw. I rebuilt them both for him. And, really? and uh, his lawnmower worked for the next 28 years. First pull every time. <laughs> yeah. So how did you feel when, when the teachers first said, no, no, you, you should do home ec. You should do cooking. You should do, I mean, well, let's be honest women's jobs well back right, then that was the saying. norm that yeah. was like there was i mean you didn't see girls in power mechanics no. or in welding or no, anything yeah. like that so what part of you do you think wanted to be different or or not even wanted to just felt that was the way to go it's just it's my genetic makeup i couldn't possibly sit there and sew a dress right. i would 
kill myself first. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yep. I just, that would not work for me. Yeah. But to think like, um, oh, let's see if I can rebuild this carburetor. That sounds cool. That sounds mm-hmm. fun. I, I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in, more interested in that aspect of things. But what about the, the cultural norms and the <laughs> yeah. peer pressure? Oh, the and... hell with those. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What, did you ever feel those? Were those ever a factor? Um, yeah, I've, I've had a few um, jobs where men have been sort of less than approving of me being in that role. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've actually had a boss that overlooked me uh, for two postings for uh, men who had less credentials than I did and less experience than I did. Just because so, they were male? That's all I can think of. <laughs> wow. and, yeah. What was your reaction to that? Well, it's, it was kind of a toss-up. I thought, well, do I fight this, you know, gung-ho, or do I just get on with my life? And um, I, I don't like to harbor a lot of negative energy. It's harder on me than it is the people that I'm harboring it for. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just, I would I would rather let it go and move on. That's, that's a, how a, I do it. That's a great way of thinking about it, that harboring that negative energy has more of an effect on you than it does totally. on them. Yeah. You, yeah, you can... Get as worked up as you possibly can. Yep. And their mind's not going to change. Yep. Most likely. Like, maybe your, maybe your dad had an effect on the school board to, to get you into power mechanics. But yeah. uh, there's a lot of examples where you can, you can get as upset as you want and you're not going to change the situation. It's That's all right. about controlling your reaction to it. And, and that yeah, very stoic yes. philosophy <laughs> um, way of thinking about it. So if, if your dad would have been the type to say... Well, honey, you can't do power mechanics. That's that's that's, he would have that's never for the said boys. That. No, but perhaps <laughs> say your dad was that way. Yeah. Do you think you would have still continued down that road of, of doing what you really actually mm-hmm. enjoyed, or do you think you would have felt um, perhaps um, discouraged? Because um, I, I'm guessing there are there are young girls out there who perhaps yeah. like you have interest in those areas, but perhaps maybe haven't given the freedom to, to yeah. go after them. Um, I think if if my dad had not been as supportive, um, I, I probably would have struggled a bit more with because I wouldn't have had the backup to to actually get into it. Right. I wouldn't have known the right channels to fight it. Um, I was always kind of a rebellious youth <laughs> so um i i did always uh, go against the norm mm-hmm. anyway but um i probably wouldn't have known the right channels to do it at that right. age so so right. just having uh, your your father mm-hmm. really go to bat for you and yeah. and, and uh, support you was made all the difference it did definitely yeah yeah going against the norm generally requires some degree of confidence <laughs> and confidence as a young person is hard to come by. Confidence as any age person is hard to come by. Yeah, for sure. Where did you cultivate that confidence from? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know if it was uh, confidence as much as it was just a, the idea of confidence, like uh, giving a, a show of confidence rather than being confident. Because if you act confident, people don't actually know whether or not you are. Right. Right. So you could be terrified inside, but as long as they don't see it on the outside. What are you worried about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to despise the term fake it till you make it. Which I, was, is, I almost said that. Actually. Yeah. Like, like two yeah. seconds ago. I believe you. Yeah. Um, you. You do like your colloquialisms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the, whole, the actual idea of it, it is when we think about it as retraining our brain to act a certain way until mm-hmm. it becomes, it, it, it's repetition and, and it becomes a habit and then it 
then we're no longer faking it. That's right. That I actually, I've come to appreciate that concept because it, it is a way of, of training ourselves to become more adept at something that we were less than comfortable with. Definitely. As long as we don't say fake it till you make it. <laughs> Andrew hates rhyming and alliteration. <laughs> because I was a preacher in my past life, it comes back sometimes. <laughs> and he's always shuts it down. Aww. And for good reason. <laughs> yeah. one, one topic that we've been touching we've been kind of dancing around but we haven't really gotten into is is that of fear mm-hmm. and fear is a, it's an easy trap to fall into especially we were talking about how you were all over different news sites yeah and fear is like the biggest seller in the news field um it's it gets attention and mm-hmm. and then become people become fearful and then now we're scared of everything mm-hmm. let alone cougars <laughs> it's like you're scared of your child walking to school right. if you can see the school down the road um how do you avoid fear i don't think you can avoid fear but you can learn to control fear um i i'll tell you a story about when i was a very small child i had horrible horrible allergies to rodents apparently Mm. I didn't know this and my friend had a gerbil and we used to handle the gerbil and we let it crawl up our sleeves and all through us and everything (laughs) we'd be playing with this gerbil this poor thing Um, and then so at the end of the day after I'd been at her house for a couple hours and we played with this gerbil and I put it back in the cage and I went home for the evening and went to bed I think I was in kindergarten I was very young and In the, in the night, I just started getting super itchy, and I came out, and I said, Mom, something's wrong with me. And she, she looked at me, and she goes, oh, my gosh, you've got hives. You've got them all over you. You know, what, what did you touch today? And um, prior to that, we had had an elderly neighbor, and when she got, she was in her 90s, uh, she got sick and went to the hospital, and she passed away. And then we had another neighbor who was an elderly man, and the ambulance came and got him and took him to the hospital, and he passed away. And then there was another lady down the road who had gone to the hospital and passed away. And so <laughs> my mom took one look at me, and she said, you've got all these hives on you. You have to go to the hospital. Mm. And I, I didn't say any. I said, are you sure? You know. And she said, yeah, you have to go. And I said, okay. So I went in my room and I was taking a really long time to get ready to go. And she was going, hurry up. We got to go. And I said, just a minute. And when I came out of the room, I had a note for her and dad where I had said, dear mom and dad, thank you for being such wonderful parents. Uh, I like being your daughter and I love you both very much. And I'll watch down on you from heaven. (laughs) And my mom said, do you think you're going to die? And I just said, yes. And she goes, you're not going off to die. You're going to get a needle and you're coming home. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I had the fear of dying, but I thought, okay, this is what I have to do then. I have to go and die. And so I, what do I need to do? I need to write a letter to my parents and then I'll go die. <laughs> you know? So that was at a really young age. So. so at a young age, even you would have a fear, but then you would still you know follow it through and and do what you needed to do yeah yeah <laughs> my mom still talks like, about to that write the that letter day. yeah like yeah she said it broke her heart <laughs> she said you actually yeah. thought we were taking you oh. off to die wow <laughs> yeah so what you said at the beginning of the story and it's a great story is it's not avoiding fear because that's how i phrased the question it's controlling your reaction to fear right so something that i re- referenced a long time ago on the podcast is the idea it's not about being fearless it's just fearing less yes mm-hmm. and so as a habit like confidence that you build mm-hmm. 
how do you think you build that habit of fearing less or not allowing yourself to be overcome by the fears? Hmm. Um, I, I just, for myself, I, I try to rationally see what's going on in a situation. Um, okay, what, what am I afraid of here? Why am I afraid of it? it you know, um, like, for example, if you're afraid of the dark, well, it's exactly the same as it is in the light. You know, <laughs> you just have to talk to yourself and, you know, take some deep breaths and, and not get into that panic state. The, the panic is it'll set in quite quickly if you let it right but you've got it no I can handle this I'm I'm fine I'm not hurting there's nothing wrong I'm fine you gotta be in the right now you know the they say that um anxiety and fear is worrying about the future when depression's worrying about the past mm. so if you want to be comfortable and at peace you need to live in the present be present which, yeah mm, so I, sure. I try to to live in that moment and say okay what's happening right now and how much do you think your experience in nature contributes to that? Um, I think a fair bit. Just being grounded, feeling grounded and, and comfortable and and um, just not not letting a whole bunch of stimulus take over what, what you need to be thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe it was a bit of a leading question because I just, as you were saying that, I sprang to mind like that is exactly what I love most about being in nature is being fully present yes. and not being distracted, not being bombarded with some sort of media or messages that are yeah. being that are trying to influence my brain. I'll, I'll actually, when I'm out on a hike, I um, I don't have headphones. Some people have headphones and they like to listen to music. I, I don't. When I'm walking or hiking, I, I don't. I want to be just you know hearing nature and hearing the sounds and mm. and being alert too for dangers if there are any i don't want them surprising me yeah um and so i don't have headphones on i do bring my cell phone obviously and uh, i will take pictures if i see something amazing but other than that I, I don't you know i don't like i don't even like having a phone conversation when i'm out hiking with anybody or i i, and I don't usually like to go with anybody <laughs> i usually yeah. hike alone <laughs> yeah it's a new idea perhaps at least it's a new way of looking at it for me but training ourselves to be present by being in nature and then using that ability when encountering other circumstances where it's highly required to be present yes. and then you have that ability i think i think that's a that's a great way of of dealing with um, all of the the stressors that we have in our lives definitely so it sounds like you don't have any fears but but you probably do so why don't you just for our listeners so they know that you actually are human (laughs) (laughs) what are some of your notable fears that that you uh, that you have and and uh, what are your creative ways of dealing with them i'm very human uh i'm afraid of heights (laughs) okay um and it's not Actually, it's probably not the fear of height. It's the fear of falling. Right. You know, like, yeah. The sudden stop at the bottom. <laughs> there's, a, there's a joke, a guy on a building, he's like, I'm not afraid of heights, I'm afraid of widths. Oh, yes. You <laughs> can fall off the ledge. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, have you seen the Gary Larson cartoon? Yeah, Farside? Yeah. Oh, I love that. There's a, there's a guy and he's hanging out off the edge of a building in a box. Yeah. And it's got a tiny little peak hole and it's full of snakes. And it says, right. you know, George is trying to simultaneously get over his fear of heights snakes and darkness yes <laughs> yes like i remember that hanging off of, yeah. yeah so so heights is it did something happen or is it no. just generally you just haven't been a i get on of, the third rung of a ladder and my knees start shaking and you're done yeah, yeah. Mm. what about planes 
Um, I've actually just recently been on planes. My job now, I, I get to travel quite a bit. So, and how my, was that first time you went on a plane? Um, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I. I, I mean, you're almost why. so high where, where yeah. you don't have that sense of how high you are. Exactly. Anyways. Yeah. yeah, that's probably. But part I used of it. to love the rides at the fair. Oh yeah. Um, I would go on those, but not the Ferris wheel because it was too slow. Too I slow, could so you see could see the heights for too time long. to think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why do you think it is that you can't rationalize the fear of heights? I don't know. Maybe because I I don't uh, I don't give myself that opportunity. You know, like if I'm um, on the edge of something, I step back right away. I, mm-hmm. I don't actually stand up and go, "Okay, I'm not in danger. I'm fine." You know, I I, I won't allow myself to do that. Mm. I just step back right away. Yeah, yeah. So we got heights. That's one, and yeah. you're in good company. I think that's a lot of people's fears. Yeah. Um, what are some others? Um, well, I can't say snakes or spiders because I've had both for pets. Um, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I used to have a tarantula well, and a scorpion. Did and a you snake. really? Yeah. No way. Cool. Um, um, I, I, you don't I, have to think of more. I mean, if it's only one, that's that's pretty. Well, fantastic. I do. Like, I don't. I would have more of a fear of, um, like, if let's say I was walking down the road and there was a pack of people coming towards me, hmm. I would be more nervous of that situation than I would a bear um, in the woods. A bear in the woods, definitely, yeah. or a cougar. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, people are unpredictable. Yeah, I was, I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking that. Yeah. You know, animals are are pretty predictable in the way they react to things, mm-hmm. um, what they're going to do, what they need. They're, you know, they want to get away from you more than you want to get away from them usually. But would Metallica work on a group of people? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, I wonder wonder what you'd have to play to scare a group of people away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Justin Bieber? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Huh. In terms of, I'm kind of going back to a, a similar topic, but the, with the the lack of connection we have to nature, and, and, and maybe that is tied to the rises and stuff like anxiety and depression that, that we see in our culture. Mm-hmm. If you were to write a, a prescription for society what do you think that would look like <laughs> that's a pretty big question yeah prescription for society hmm. just take a 5k once a day <laughs> call me in the morning <laughs> yeah. no absolutely I, I always say the difference like my dog murphy he's a husky and mm. he's crossed with a retriever and so he's got some serious energy levels he's eight years old now but when he was younger crazy um and the difference between him being a good dog and him being a bad dog was about six kilometers Mm. and i always tell Mm. people that the difference between a good dog and a bad dog is six kilometers and it's kind of the same with people people too yeah Yeah. so true get out there and and uh take some deep breaths oh my my wife would agree wholeheartedly with that last (laughs) comment if i go a couple days without some sort of extreme exercise go up a Mm -hmm. mountain or go out I'm a different person. Right. She uses the word asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as do other people. And I can feel it. Yeah. I feel like my personality actually changes. You feel the it, rage building. Yeah, you feel the yeah. rage. And then also just general rage too. And, gen- and, and, and even anxiety over things that I'm not even really anxious. But just yeah. you, negative emotions begin to take over. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And you join a long list of guests who have all pointed to exercise and running as as keys to, mm-hmm. to sort of free in their soul and, and trapped emotions and stuff yeah. so and and i don't even think it's necessarily has to be exercise i think right. you can go and just sit in nature for sure and get that effect you could yeah at, at least for myself i think i think that's, that's if you're gonna just sit sometimes. though instead of being in a forest go to the ocean because then the waves are very, very yeah relaxing. did that today mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. excellent 
yeah it makes sense though like this connection to nature because like like we said at the beginning like most of human history our species was raised in nature Mm -hmm. and it's just really in the last few hundred years that we've become so like closed off behind buildings and i just think there's a part of our dna part of our brain that still is needs that yeah and uh and so we need to we need to give it to that and and I th- one of the one of the takeaways i hope listeners have from this story of yours is nature is, is perhaps not as dangerous as they might think it is because i think some people perhaps may have read things or think that it's just dangerous to go off in your own mm-hmm. like you even hear that like uh, this might be a traditional idea i think it probably is but like women should never walk alone you know right. or women should never go out by themselves in nature and and you know, you're you're a testament that that's that's women not shouldn't true. walk alone in cities, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but in right. nature, you're fine. But, but in nature, you're fine. Yeah. Um, and well, I don't want to you know have everyone running out into nature unprepared either. No, no. You have to have your ten essentials, and you need to have you know your wits about you, and that's you need right. to know where you're going and tell somebody and and have follow all the rules, right? I think that's a good um, point. That's yeah, that's sure. important too. You yeah. can't just go running out into nature, you know. And that's those are the people that the helicopters come for later. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And so you got your training, I guess, just from, was it from actual just going out in nature all the time? So yeah. Just I mean, I was in Girl Guides and everything like oh, were that you really? when I was younger. Okay. But, um, cool. but uh, and my, you know, I've done a lot of camping and stuff through the years and I ride a Harley. And so um, oh, we, you? we always, nice. you know, I'm pretty quick at putting up a tent and yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. But uh yeah, it's just, uh, and I work for a logging company. So I was right. yeah, know, of course. 30 kilometers out in the bush by myself. And, right. Yeah. Hmm. So another important connection that we touched on a little bit is is the one that you had with your father. Mm-hmm. And I know he he passed away a yep. few years ago now. 2014, yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious what what resources or what supports did you use for um dealing with that lost connection? Hmm. Um I I wasn't able to replace that connection. Like it's not something you can just you know, fill a void. <laughs> um, I did, uh, I did start kickboxing again, um, as mm. an outlet, um, just, uh, just filling my time with hikes and my dog. And I, I volunteer for a wildlife recovery center. So I, I go out and rescue animals that are injured or orphaned and transport them to the center and just filling up time. Basically. Um, you can't really, you, you don't really ever get people say it gets better with time and I guess it gets tolerable with time but it never changes I mean you can stop at any minute and think too hard about it and burst into tears you know it's not something that goes away no it's, and th- that's one thing we all share that, you know at the table here is we've all lost a father in the last five years yeah and and uh, I think we could all nod our heads and say exactly I mean it comes yeah. like these waves we talk about yeah. waves of grief right yeah and they come out of nowhere you, you know yeah. a scent a memory um you hear something the hardest for me was the first um occasion with the empty chair mm-hmm. like that just yeah. that's the hardest right, right. seeing that empty chair mm-hmm. i had a similar experience yeah I, I, when i went to my my dad's for the first time in in, in the states and walked in the house and saw the empty chair mm-hmm. my mom kept it she, she mm-hmm. wants the chair but yeah. th- that hit me hard too yeah my mom yeah. has dad's chair of course in the house's recliner and um it was always dad's chair and no one sits in it, but right. I sat, I went right over and sat in it. Nice. And mom said, it's so nice to see you sitting there because no one sits there. And I said, well, it's dad's chair. Of course I'm going to sit there, oh. you know, and she, she was kind of blown away by it, but it was, for me, it was, I felt more comfortable in it than anywhere mm-hmm. else. So what was his passing expected or no, he was actually, 
it's kind of a my brother passed away too four months after my dad and um, so my brother struggled with alcoholism he was military and he had many years in the military and many tours of bad experiences Mm. and uh, he didn't get the supports that he needed and so he was struggling with that and my mom and dad went up to go visit him to help him out and I got a phone call at work from my mom saying your dad just died and no. I said, you mean my brother? Because we were, he was in liver failure. We were expecting my brother to pass away. And um, she said, no, your dad. And I was, I said, no, you mean my brother. Mm. And she said, no, I mean your dad. And like, and of course, there's tears and everything yeah, mixed in with that. But um, it, I was completely caught off guard. Oh. And uh, yeah, so he, and I wasn't even there, which also bothered me a lot. Mm. And, um, so after he passed, then four months later, I lost my brother. Oh. So it was a really rough year. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it was hard. Well, what's, what's your ma- last memory of, of your father? Um, he came out to where I was working to deliver a birthday card for my husband. He said um, they wanted to give it to him before they went to go see my brother. And it was kind of ironic because he had a nitrous spray uh-huh. in his pocket. And he always... I would always ask him, Dad, have you renewed that? Because it's expired. You know that, right? And he'd pull it out of his pocket and he'd go, squirt, squirt. Nope, still works. And he'd put it <laughs> back in his pocket. And he would do this monthly. He would check it with a squirt, squirt. Yeah. And I said, you know, Dad, one of these days that's going to be empty. And he said, oh, no, it's still fine. See, squirt, squirt. And <laughs> so when we were in the parking lot before he was leaving, I said, Dad, are you are you going to be okay to go up and do this and see my brother? And, you know, like, what about your heart and everything? And he said, oh, I'm fine. I said, have you got your nitro? And he said, yeah, see, squirt, squirt. Those mm. are probably the two squirts that he needed. <laughs> mm. Because um, when he was up there and he had his heart attack, he, there was not, they couldn't get anything out oh. of the sprayer. So the ambulance was there within two minutes. My brother administered CPR, but it didn't uh, it didn't bring him back. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it was a pretty rough, pretty rough yeah, year. Absolutely. And you mentioned um, doing some kickboxing mm-hmm. and 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 volunteering yeah. were, were some of the the ways that got you through that. Um, Lots but, of long walks. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now a few years later, you you have that same energy and positivity that that i assume you had before Mm -hmm. and and i wonder um were you able to maintain that through that that experience that grief that loss or 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 what what about you changed or or you know what Um, what enabled you to get get through and make it back there's some pretty serious ups and downs. I mean, anybody who's lost anybody can testify to that. Of course. Yeah. Um, the, you know, there were times when I said, that's it. I'm not, we're not doing Christmas. We're not doing Christmas this year. We're not doing Thanksgiving. We're not having Thanksgiving dinner because dad's not here. Like, screw it. We, you know, we don't need it and just squash everything. <laughs> I'm not playing anymore, you know? Um, and, uh, people would say, okay, okay, if that's what you want and that's what you need. And then I would think, damn it, dad would be saying, no, we got to keep those traditions alive, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay, forget it. It's on, it's on. Everybody come over, we're cooking a turkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I'd, I'd put it back on. And so you, I'd have ups and downs throughout it. Um, but it always came back to what dad would want. You know, he would want us to do this or dad would want to keep going or keep the tradition alive. Mm-hmm. How do you think he would have reacted to this? cougar story oh, he would have been <laughs> over the moon excited yeah um he was so proud of me i could do no wrong you know wow. um i could have um 
I don't know, anything I did, he was just so proud of me for. And I remember um, one time him saying I was in, uh, or he went up to Port Alberni or somewhere, and he saw some people who were on Harleys, and he went over to them and he, oh, do you know my daughter? Her name's Denise. She she rides one just like that, and da-da-da-da. You know, like, he bragged about me to everybody about everything, and it was pretty embarrassing <laughs> overall, but it was nice to know that he was so proud of me all the time. What what does your Harley give you? Aha, everything. <laughs> all right. Wow. <laughs> um, it's... Uh, 1300 cc's of therapy <laughs> mm. it's it's great um just you know the wind in the hair uh, freedom i just i really enjoy riding and mm-hmm. uh getting some twisties on the road and yeah. yeah you've been riding a long time yeah since i was about 16 wow yeah nice this is my third arlie <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna skip back yeah, I just had one. We're having a conversation. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a perfect linear thread, Andrew. <laughs> um, in terms of so something we like to we look at or, or lean into when we have these conversations is is when we go through trauma or loss or, or whatever sort of adversity it might be. Sometimes we can look back and, and find that we learned something from that experience. And I'm wondering if, in reflecting now amidst the pain and, and mm-hmm. the the missed connection which is absolutely natural and and we all experience that um, is there anything that you've learned either about yourself or that you now apply to life from that experience from losing my dad yeah um well just that i had more i guess i, I had more um more parts than i thought i did you know mm-hmm. uh when you you don't think you can go on you can Mm-hmm. when you think that the it's the, there's nothing left and there's no point and they you know that the big black clouds over you and everything it'll it'll change it will you know you can always there'll always be a brighter day you know it might not be every day but there will be a brighter day well and you're stronger than you think yeah that, that's Definitely. one sort of takeaway from your story for sure like you can do more you can i mean literally face more yeah. Then you think. I got a right. message from a lady who um, suffered horrible PTSD, it was like debilitating PTSD. And she had told me in a message that she couldn't go out anymore. She didn't go out and hike with her dogs anymore. She just had so much fear and anxiety and she was afraid of cougars. And after she had read my story, she had the courage to go out and she took her dogs out for a hike. And she was, she was going out that very day and she was thanking me for sharing that with her and I was pretty honored. Yeah, <laughs> that, was pretty that is neat. fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's just another example of how such a small experience or a small encounter yeah. Yeah. can have profound effects when, when, mm-hmm. when we do share it. And, and you never know what people are looking for in the world. And, and you might have that peace yeah. that, that can bring great healing. So yeah. it's, we, we, we often don't know the, the amount of potential that we hold within ourselves i never thought for a minute that i would get that sort of response no yeah you know from what i posted i was just posting it for my friends and so for, for those people like one of the hallmarks of your story is just this everyone listening now now knows you're, you're a very strong independent person mm-hmm. you know i was going to say strong independent woman but you're a strong mm-hmm. independent person mm-hmm. and so for anybody who's listening who's struggling to get to either of those things they just they just can't be by themselves. They 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 um, they f- they feel like everything's overwhelming. What are some 
Now, this may be a difficult question because it sounds like you've always been like this, but um, if you could think of some perhaps some suggestions for people to begin to build this strength and independence in their own life, um, what, what would you suggest they, they start with? Just taking charge of yourself. Hmm. You know, stop blaming people for uh, changes that you can make. Hmm. You know, if there's something that you need changed in your life, then change it. Mm-hmm. If there's something you don't like about yourself, change it. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. have to wait for someone's permission and you don't have to wait for <laughs> someone to help you or you, you might need help along the way, but um, you know, you can initiate that change, whatever it might happen to be. You said the way you speak, it just sounds so simple. And, and, <laughs> and I think it is in a way like it is it's that simple, but simple yet, or as hard as you want to make for, it. Right? For millions of people, they're, they're trapped in themselves and they yeah. can't do those simple, take control of their life. Right. Um, but yeah, it does just start with making that making that choice, making yeah, that decision. Absolutely, yeah. the formula for change, the most integral part, is the first, the first steps. step. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, this was uh, definitely a great conversation and went in some very unexpected ways. But uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing, and, and I think that that was a really nice moment or, or uh, conclusion to to. To go out on so well thank you for having me yeah it was an absolute pleasure and and uh yeah keep keep going <laughs> your own way and, and being that that strong independent person that you are and, and who knows what your next viral video I will know. be yeah <laughs> and, and for, speaking of the videos i was just thinking like the listeners are like can we see this video like is, is it on youtube or somewhere yep, they're on youtube okay so yeah. we'll we'll link that sure so listeners you can check that out that's awesome cool well, Dee, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. From, from the moment mm-hmm. that I read your story, to I knew there was so much more to, to who you are, and <laughs> and uh, it's it was fascinating hearing your your full story, and um, you've been an inspiration to me personally to 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 kind of continue to take control and, and go out and, and do those things that perhaps you think you can't do, and I think a lot of our listeners will agree. So well done, and and thank you for. For driving all the way up here at the end of a long work day and being our first evening recording. Because awesome. usually we record in the morning. So uh-huh. thank you so much for your for your honesty and in sharing some some of those details with, with two guys you just met. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And then we're continue to continually astonished by that, by by the people we meet willing to be so open and vulnerable and, and thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah, all right. Thanks for being here. Well, that's the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We appreciate your time and attention. If we can make one request, please subscribe. How do you do that, John? They push subscribe. That's all you got to do. We also got social media, guys. We've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please like us and follow us there. We also got a really fancy website. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. That is the one. Where you'll find our show notes and lots of other goodies. And if you have somebody who'd be great for the podcast, please let us know. Send us a message on any of those networks and we'll bring them on. Mm -hmm, For sure. We're always looking for good people. Thanks for listening. Keep pushing through those obstacles.